Hallelujah. How many of you are glad the blood still works? Lord, have mercy. The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is sufficient to deal with everything. How many of you agree with that? It's sufficient. Amen. Amen. We bless the Lord God for the blood, the blood that is able to heal and save and strengthen and cleanse from the utmost to the utmost. And that is what we have. I was um, talking this week with some pastor friends about the upcoming Frequency Conference, and, um, and we were just talking about some of the things that people are bringing against the Christian faith. And we were laughing, to be honest, because we've said we've seen movements come and go. Um, and one of, one of the preachers just yelled in the text message, you know why they come and go? He's just mad. He said, you know why they come and go? He said, because our gospel is freaking unstoppable. And I said, you know what? I agree with you, brother. How many of you believe that our gospel is unstoppable? <laughs> I agree with it. I agree with it. I agree with it. You may be seated. Thankful to the Lord for his steadfast love and his mercy endures forever. And we get, we get a chance to be a part of um, God's story um, through the might of the cross, the might of the gospel, um, which is able to push us through, work us through, transform us through, and to strengthen us through any circumstance on planet Earth. Um, and so um, let's, let's, let's be encouraged by that reality. I don't know if you missed Wednesday night Bible study this last Wednesday. But how many of you were there last Wednesday? We had a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal time uh, being encouraged in the gospel. Urban apologetics is what we're going to be working on for the next few months, um, June, uh, June and July, and then uh, we'll be culminating it in the Frequency Conference in the fall. And so I'm thankful and excited for that. We had a great time, people asking questions. One of the things that we're just trying to do is strengthen you in the gospel. That, that's what apologetics is about. It's about uh, God's people being strengthened in the gospel in such a way where they're more evidently confident in the gospel. And so uh, we, we are trying to in, in, increase uh, our aptitude and commitment to Jesus Christ through knowing that we have a sure faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, let's keep that in mind. Let's, let's stand to our feet as we get in our passage today. Let's stand to our feet as we get in our passage today. We're in 2 Corinthians uh, the seventh chapter, verses two through 13. We got a little bit of ground to cover some good stuff in this text. I'm gonna let you guys go ahead and dive in um, on three. One, two, three, go. Yeah. 
Amen, amen, amen. In this time we have together this morning in our series through Keeping It 100 through 2 Corinthians, I would like to tag our text today, How to Work Through Church Hurt. How to Work Through Church Hurt. I didn't get no amens, but that's okay. That's okay. Let, let's, 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 let's pray before the Lord. Father, we thank you. Um, we honor you um, for your mercy for your grace and for your strength. And God, I pray, Lord God, for the grace that's needed in a sermon like this um, to really uh, dive into what uh, you say in your word. It's good to not leave a rock unturned in your word, but turn each page and see a mirror of our brokenness and a mirror of the fact that that brokenness can be strengthened and healed through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our strength, our redeemer, and whom we trust. And help us not to just be hearers of the word, deceiving ourselves only, uh, Lord God, but help us to be doers of the word. In Christ's name, amen. amen. All right, hospitality, y'all gonna have to do me a favor real quick. Y'all can be seated. Have to do me a favor real quick. Hospitality, um, this area looks weird for a preacher. We've, like, put everybody here. I need some back row ministry to, like, I need to, because see, I need to point there every now and then, and I need to point here every now and then, and I know we transitioned to some of us, but so I need like some back row ministry. I know some of y'all back row people on the back row on purpose, but um, what I need y'all to do in Jesus' mighty name, I need some people, just a few people, just to feel, I need every, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's a few people, there's a few people to get up in this, so I can have some people to preach to on every row down here. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all shouldn't have went in the balcony that's in the balcony, because the balcony's supposed to be closed if it sees down here. We love y'all, but I want y'all to remember that last time. Love y'all a whole lot. God bless you. God bless you. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. Um, you know, um, I love spending time engaging people with the gospel. I, I, it's, uh, um, you know, just talking to people that uh, have a lot of uh, uh, challenging assumptions about the church and particularly about pastors. <laughs> and, um, and I was engaging a guy with the gospel and talking to him about Jesus Christ and trying to strengthen him. And, 
engage him in, and everything that I, everything he brought up, you know, the Lord sort of was dropping a little answer from me to him on it. So it was able to say, well, you got this, boom, I was able to hit that. And then it said, boom, we was able to hit that. We was able to, boom, hit this. And every time over and over and over again, I was able to hit these different things. And then it occurred to me that no matter what question I answered, this guy just was determined to be (laughs) like an antagonist towards the faith. And as I began to listen to him, and I just listened, you know, answer some questions and engage him. It's always a great time to do that. But as I began to listen, the questions that I was answering wasn't his issue. The questions that I was answering scientifically, the questions that I was answering intellectually and historically and epistemologically were not his issue. At the background of all of these things, these things were fog for some experiences that he had had in the church. I know y'all not going to talk back today. I'm by myself. I'm going to preach because I got some stuff for me in here. So it's all right. I know I'm by myself. And so what I began to learn, what I began to learn, what I began to learn is everybody that got an issue with the church, it ain't necessarily about our issue on gender issues. It, It ain't just our Uh, their understanding of the historical Jesus. It's not about um, their view of the resurrection. Many times rooted in people's disposition towards Christianity trails back to a season where God gave them an opportunity to come among the people of God and to be engaged by the people of God, and they had high hopes for Christianity, but what began to happen is, is they didn't run up against the truth. They ran up against us. And when they ran up against us, there's something that happened. Now, I'm not condoning apostasy. I'm not condoning um, a disposition towards the church that is antagonistic. However, I don't care how long I live on this planet. Most people I know who are in the church or have an issue with the church has dealt with church hurt. I don't know what it is about church hurt, but church hurt is worse than family hurt. I'm going to just tell you, I'm talking about a person that sat across from people for over two decades. And I'm telling you, I've dealt with people's family issues. And, and, and they were more optimistic about getting over the humps of some of the most broken family issues. But when it came to church hurt, it was almost like shutdown ministry. And, 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 and I found out that um, they did some research <coughs> over the last few decades. And... Uh, matter of fact, uh, the, the United States Census Bureau did uh, some r- records, and it says statistics saying ba- uh, it's backing up denominational reports um, th- of one denomination in particular. It says every year more than 4,000 churches close their doors compared to over 1,000 new churches. He says there were 4,500 new churches started between 1990 and 2000 with a 20-year average of nearly 1,000, Right? He says, every year, 2.7 million church members fall into inactivity. This is the United States. This ain't like some Christian joint, right? It says, this translates into the realization that people are leaving the church. It says, from our research, we have found that they are leaving as hurting and wounded victims of some kind of abuse, disillusionment, or just plain old neglect. 
it's interesting that our government does a study and they find out that people aren't leaving the church merely because of doctrinal reasons. People aren't merely um, leaving the church <coughs> because we're not doing social justice. <laughs> people aren't leaving. It's, it's because of some type of, uh, of hurt of coming up against um, the body of Christ's leadership in some way that has pushed them away from being in the local church. And so we come to a passage that <clears throat> at first it was hard to get my mind wrapped around it because Paul sometimes has such complex language in his communication, it seems like he's dumping subjects together. <clears throat> but as you begin to go into the passage and really Look at what he talks about, and he is extremely, this is probably, even though we know this is a Keep It 100 series, mm, he's being extremely, this is probably the most vulnerable passage Paul has ever written. <laughs> and his vulnerability is based on the Corinthians feeling hurt by Paul and Paul feeling hurt by the Corinthians. That, that's what's going on in this passage. That, and what he's trying to do <laughs> in the passage is he's trying to face those hurts with the gospel so that they won't turn into relational inactivity with one another and that he can encourage them and he can strengthen them. And listen, this is, this is interesting, and that they could even strengthen him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we're going to find out in this passage that church hurt is both for people in leadership, help me today, God, yeah, yeah. and those who are in the pew. See, I'm going to tell you something in a second, but most of us think that we're the ones who get church hurt. But leaders and uh, parishioners both, because both are a part of the body, experience hurt and pain. And the question on the floor is, what do we do about it? How do you handle church hurt? Do you run? Y'all not going to talk back. It's okay. <laughs> do you not confront? Do you, do you just vote with your feet? Or do you commit yourself to a gospel that put God on the cross where God shows through Jesus the most effective way to deal with hurt is through his hurt? Yes. Okay, yes. it's okay. Anyway, first point, first point, how to deal with church hurt. It's okay. First point, involves, uh, if you're going to deal with church hurt, number one, it involves joyful optimism. <laughs> joyful optimism. But look at what Paul says. Paul uh, says, make room in your hearts for us. <laughs> this literally means to extend the emotional borders of your heart. <laughs> I love that. Paul is telling the people of God, he says, listen, I know I hurt you and you hurt me. He says, but the only way for this to work out for reconciliation to happen between us is that you extend the borders of your hearts that are closed off to me. He said, in other words, he's basically pushing God's people. I like the way he says, make room. Make, make, make room in, in your heart. I, 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 I remember my wife and I, when we lived in an extremely small apartment, um, we had like a one-bedroom joint that was, I don't even know what to call it. We had a kitchen that was on the wall. It didn't even have its own area. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It was, it was smaller than an efficiency. You know, and so people would always, <coughs> we didn't have that much furniture, but when you put one couch in there, the whole apartment just shrinks. You, it's just one of those situations. But it was funny because people always wanted to fellowship over our house. 
And I was like, why y'all want to be over here? Oh, some of y'all got massive cribs. Let's go over to y'all house. And, and, and they loved our house because even though the house was small, we were willing to press in to allowing as many people in there as possible to experience the joy and community and fellowship that the gospel brings. Paul is saying here, I want you to open up your heart in the way that the God of heaven has made it available, even though it's crowded with hurts, even though it's crowded with frustrations, even though it's crowded with brokenness. I don't care what's in there. I want you to excavate and declutter whatever is in your heart, stopping you from experiencing comprehensive shalom, comprehensive restoration, comprehensive comfort, comprehensive strength that only Jesus Christ can bring. Uh, some of you need to learn how to do that. Some of you are so closed, not minded, hearted. <laughs> see, see, closed hearted is different than closed minded. <laughs> because the mind is a part of the heart spiritually. And so what happens is you're so close, it's some people you already got in your mind. That's why many of y'all tight lipped now. <laughs> because it's some folk in your life, in the church, I forget about your family right now, the local community, the local church that has hurt you so deeply that you have shut down your ability to ever be heard again because you believe that if you open your heart up again, if you let somebody else in again, if you let some leader shepherd you again, if you let the body of Christ be the body to you, somebody's going to hurt you. And let me give you the answer to that. Yes, they will. <laughs> you can't grow unless you open yourself up. Amen. You're, you're not going to grow. And so Paul challenged, I got so much ground to cover, good God Almighty. <clears throat> um, it's interesting to me that Paul, st Paul starts off the passage there. Now what Paul begins to do is because they don't want to talk to him. He had to send Titus, we'll see that later, because they didn't want to talk to him. You understand? They, 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 they just, now you got to understand, Paul led them to Jesus, everything. But they didn't want to talk to him. He was their spiritual father. It was crazy. And so he said, let, let me just break some stuff down. Because what had happened is, is, it's not that Paul hurt them. It's just, and we'll see in a second, um, they had a bad interpretation of what he had executed to them lovingly as a leader. Yes. And instead of receiving it as a spiritual means of rebuke and development, yes. They, they came against the character of his leadership in order not to deal with the conviction of their sin. And so what happens is, is he says, listen, he said, can I talk to you? He says, we've wronged no one. Wow. He said, we, we didn't wrong you. He says, we have, he said, he said, we have corrupted. Listen to the wording. This is church hurt language. He said, we've corrupted no one. In other words, I didn't, like, I didn't live my life trying to co-op you to get at your gear, to get at your clothing, to get at your... Re yeah. like, I, like, do you know, Paul's like, do you know how much I gave up to pastor you? Yeah. He, said, he said, like, I'm not like living, like I'm getting my tail whooped for the gospel. Like, I'm not no fly dude, but what had happened is some, fall, f some fly false teachers had come in. And began because they wanted natural things from the people of God, so they turned them away from the gospel. And so their hurt was based on a false view of the gospel, not a true view of it. Because they had allowed themselves to be drawn away by foolishness of those who nurtured them in their church hurt. Yeah. See, uh, 
You got to be careful of people that nurture you and provide a greenhouse for your mess. I'm by myself. You, 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 you got you to gotta, you gotta be careful. You got to be careful. See, the person that's listening to your mess too much and never challenges you, that's not the person you want in your life. They are a false teacher. Every now and then, you need somebody that's going to listen to you, but you need somebody to say, I've listened to you now. Can I say a few things? You need somebody like that in your life that's going to talk to you about your stuff and not, not nurture you in your foolishness. Anyway, let's move. Let's move. He, say, he says, I've corrupted no one. This is so banging. He says, we have taken advantage of no one. It's funny. Paul's like, y'all love the, he said, y'all love the leadership that takes more advantage of you yeah. than loves and leads you. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting. As a, as a pastor, many times you feel like you're fighting ghosts. Um, you know, I, we do discover epiphany. And I, I, I love Discover Epiphany because I learn a lot about people. Now, some of y'all are not going to come to Discover Epiphany after this, right? <laughs> but one of the things that I've heard more in Discover Epiphany than anything else is church hurt. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard at my old church. And I'm like, dang, we're in front of a lot of people. And like they named the church, named the past. I'm like uncomfortable. You understand what I'm saying? I'm like, this should have been a counseling session, not like a, a group therapy joint. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, and what begins to happen, and, but here, see, let me tell you, me, I'm, you know, I, I've been on the earth for a little while. But here, y'all are different. I'm like, man, listen, the same way you putting him on blast, let me do one little thing and I'll be on the other end of your blasting in five seconds. So I don't take compliments that's based on a, the detriment of somebody else. I only take compliments that's just free. So, so, so if you want to encourage me as your pastor, just let it be free of where you came from. Because, it's, it, because really, when you tell me about where you were in relation to me, it scares me and it puts me on guard. Anyway, I got to move. This is too real. Verse uh, 3. Verse 3. Verse 3. It says, I do not say this to condemn you. Look how loving he is. He said, I'm not saying this like to just make you feel bad. He says, he said, for I said before <coughs> that you are in our hearts. Golly, listen to that. He said, open up your heart to me, but y'all are already in our hearts. You know how deep that is? It's, it's so deep. I could spend the rest of my time just on that statement. It's so deep because he didn't let, they were publicly rejecting him. And he didn't let, this is what, that's why you, you have to have a gospel. Yeah. The gospel, right? Not a, the gospel. It's no way in the world, as a leader, you can get slandered by an entire congregation and tell them you're in our hearts. That takes like, that, you got to understand the cross. Christ on the cross had to allow himself to have this same disposition or he'd have got up off that mug. In other words, even in your life, <clears throat> what, what, and this is, the, this is the issue, what makes church hurt different is that the people are, is in your heart, and the hurt takes place in the same place, and you can't get them out of it. So what you try to do is you try to excavate them from your heart and close, like barricade it in, like it's a containment unit from zombies. <clears throat> and, and, and Paul is saying, 
Even though you're in my heart and I feel the hurt, he said, I'm, we, he said, me and my crew, it wasn't just Paul, it was him and his missionary crew. He's like, look, we still good to get it in with you. And so, and so he says, he's, listen to how deep he says it. He says, to die together and to live together. He said, I'd rather die with you. That was first in the Bible, y'all. Ride or die ain't new. <laughs> he, said, he said, listen, he said, listen, if we represent this gospel together and we get persecuted, I'd gladly die at your shoulders as we're persecuted together as a unified unit for Jesus Christ. Yeah. Or we can live together. In other words, since if we're not under persecution and we live together, can we? This is not just exist. This means to flourish yeah. together. And so Paul lays that out to them that he said, yo, I want reconciliation with you. He says, in verse four, he says, I'm not acting with, uh, he said, I am acting with great boldness towards you. He said, I know I'm saying some stuff to you that you're not used to nobody saying to you. He says, I have great pride over you. This is not ungodly pride. This is godly pride, right? He says, I am filled with comfort. He says, in our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. He's gonna tell you why in a second. And so the affliction here is not the sufferings that he's going through in Macedonia and different places, which he's going to explain in a second. The greatest suffering he's going through is his relationship with the church. Paul says, nothing hurt me like being hurt in the local church. And so what I like about what Paul, God is using Paul to do is God is using Paul to face his church hurt. Can, 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 I, can I ask y'all a question? Let me tell y'all. When people come to Pimmy Fellowship and they church hurt, Ask anybody who's dealt with it. I send them back to their church. Y'all got real quiet. <laughs> if you talk to me about hurt that you've had from another church, I ask you, I say, have you talked to anybody there? Because see, we want numbers and all of that. We love that. We think the disciples increasing is great. But you're not going to be healthy here. Not just here, but period. <laughs> See, I'm not the pastor. I'm the wrong one. I'm not so excited to warm a pew at the detriment of your dealing with your past. I would rather you be healthy and not here than to be here and we nurture you in a lifestyle of unhealth just to get a tithe and just to get an offering and just to warm a seat and just to count statistics. I'm not here, listen, for you to just warm a pew. I'm here because I got to give an account for your soul. You drop your sacrifice at the altar and you go be reconciled to your brother. The pastor, what if they don't respond? As far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. You can't, you can't, you're not sovereign. You can't alter the response of people to your repentance and your commitment and dealing with the hurt that you've caused them or they have caused you. All you can do is repent and engage, share your heart and deal with it. And if they don't respond properly, it's, you know, it's, it's up to, it's between them and God now. <laughs> so Paul is trying to do that with the Corinthian church. Because he has joy for a reason. Look at why he has joy. This is, this is, this is so great, which leads me to my next point. Uh, dealing with church hurt 
involves coming alongside of each other. This, this is pretty beautiful here. Um, <clears throat> he says, for even when we came to Macedonia, into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. He said we was, we was grinding for the gospel. He says, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and within fear of their lives, basically. He says, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Now listen to how the New American Standard, I love the way the New American Standard translates verse 6. It says, but God who comforts the depressed. Did you hear that? Paul struggled with depression. He struggled hard with depression. And guess what's one of his depression triggers? His relationships with God's people. Every depressed person who I know has a trigger. And his trigger, can you imagine dealing with depression with the type of life he had? Y'all got real quiet right there. Listen to what he said. He says, but God who comforts the depressed comforted us by the coming of Titus. That is wicked right there. Let me, let me see if I can make it plain, real plain here. So Paul is depressed in Macedonia, getting beat down on all ends, extremely depressed. This is great. Titus, the guy he led to Christ and discipled, came and had a counseling session with him. Let me just give you something for free. You know you made a good disciple when your disciple can turn around and give you therapy. Y'all ain't going to talk back. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's good Bible right there. That God so worked in Titus <coughs> that Titus could encourage him. Now, I'm going to tell you, I remember when our church went through a crazy, crazy season a few years back, and I can remember going into a, a crazy church meeting. I'll never forget it. People standing up against me and the elders, particularly me, and um, yelling and going off. That's why Miss Dale laughing. She already know. And and I can remember standing my ground, God keeping me. And then I walked over there, and I walked in that corner, and tears started rolling down my face. And I'm trying not to, mm. Pop Mobley walked around the corner. Mm. And when he walked around that corner, he began, to, he grabbed my shoulders, and he looked at me in my eye, and he began counseling me. He said, Pastor, my family, we're here, and we're going to stand with God, and we're going to stand with you. And he just started ministering to me. I started walking this way, tears still rolling down my face. Miss Christie came around there, met me right there in the back. She started quoting Psalm 84 and Psalm 73 to me, and it just got worse. <laughs> then all of a sudden, Miss Dale grabbed me and hugged me, and people just started engaging me. And all of a sudden, my arms felt lifted. Tiffany started quoting theology to me and ministering to my soul. And I just started feeling like the depression that I was feeling of being attacked, of being frustrated and going through church hurt. I felt counseled by the flock. Yeah. <laughs> see, 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 we, the leadership doesn't just need that. We all need that. 
We need, we, see, that's what the body is for. That's what's beautiful about this. This idea of coming alongside of, is the same word used of the Holy Spirit, parakaleo, which means to come alongside and hold up. That's what we have to do with one another during the time of brokenness in church. We got to come alongside of each other and strengthen each other and nurture each other and preach the gospel to one another. I'm by myself. I'm encouraged by this passage, not depressed by this passage, because I serve a God that fills people with his spirit to give you a word in season. I love it. (laughs) And he keeps going. Paul just keeps on. Going, he says, not only by the coming of Titus, but also by the comfort which, which he comforted us by you. Yeah. He said, as he told us our longing and your mourning and your zeal for me, so that I rejoice still the more. So there were some that were responsive to hearing that when they got the letter that Paul sent them, they began repenting and wanting relationship and community with him again. Listen, do you know what this tells me? That it's possible. It's possible for there to be breaches healed between God's people. That, 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 this means that it's, that it's possible. That means that church hurt don't have to last always. And look what he says. He says, and he told us of your longing. Listen to the word. Your mourning. Your zeal for me. And he says, so that I rejoice still the more longing, a desire to be with mourning, the issues that they had between each other, the zeal that they had, uh, uh, an excessive fervor to accomplish God's purposes in dealing with the issues of church hurt between them and Paul. Beautiful. Last point, I'm out your way. If you're going to deal with hurt, church hurt, this is the doozy. It involves authentic repentance. <laughs> it involves authentic Repentance. See, this is the hard one. Confrontation, we love that because we like to get people part of our mind. But when you have to own something, it's totally different. Okay, let's look at what the text says then. It says, for even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. That's crazy. He says, though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. Because, see, when, when you get rebuked on the front end, a challenge on the front end, it grieves you for a while. <clears throat> but if you're a believer who's sensitive to God's spirit, you should be like, maybe somebody has a point. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, okay, I can, maybe, maybe you got a point. Look, that's, that's, see, whenever somebody challenges you in the midst of a church hurt situation, you got to consider no matter how right you feel, that you might be wrong. It's okay. Verse, verse, verse 9. He said, as it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved. He said, I don't want you to, he said, I don't, I, 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 I don't want you to be comprehensively hurt. He says, but because you grieved into repenting. <laughs> now, let's define repentance. Repentance isn't acting like everything's okay. <laughs> Let me say it again. Repentance isn't putting on a front. Repentance, this is powerful, is to change one's opinion and mind in relation to what was a breach between them and someone else. Literally means a change your mind, not about the individual plans, intentions, or beliefs, but rather a change in the whole personality from a sinful course of action to God. 
You can't even get saved without repentance. So if you're a believer that never repents, you should doubt your salvation. Because you can't separate repentance and faith. They're like Siamese twins. They're literally the Siamese twins. They're together, right? And so Paul plows through. He says, for godly grief. He says, if you're really hurt by something, he said godly grief. Now, he tells the difference between the two. I'm going to be out your way, I promise. Y'all still tracking with me, right? He says, for godly grief produces repentance. That means godly grief means that you've examined things from God's perspective. (laughs) That means you're not examining it from the person's perspective. Because if you let your feelings towards the person get in the way, you can, you can skate your way around godly grief because you're looking at them. But the question is, is what they said biblical and a part of the heart of God? And if you consider that, it leads you to lean into God and say, God, deal with me. So godly grief leads to repentance. It literally means God grief. To change, uh, uh, godly grief also is hopeful sadness, I call it. <laughs> That's beautiful. It's the change that focuses on God's interests. Grief that is driven by the interest of God being reintroduced to the soul of the believer. In other words, authentic repentance versus counterfeit repentance. Then he says worldly sorrow. Listen to what worldly sorrow is. It's hopeless sadness. Hopeless sadness is, a, is, a, is bitterness and anger without resolution. That's what it leads to. See, worldly sorrow just says, nah, I ain't fooling with them ever again. Matter, I'm going to treat them like vampires, right? He says, and, and, and in other words, ungodly sorrow or worldly sorrow always focuses on self, yes. not God. I like the way Thomas Watson says it when he talks in the, on the doctrine of repentance, and he says something interesting. He says, counterfeit repentance. He says, another deceit about repentance is a resolution against sin. He says, a person may purpose and make vows, yet no repentance. He said, we see by the experience what uh, protestations a person will make when he is on his sickbed, if God should recover him again, yet he is as bad as ever. He shows the old heart in new temptation. So counterfeit repentance just wants to be out of the hurt of the situation, not deal with the situation, okay? And so that's why David in Psalm 51 shows us what authentic repentance looks like, godly sorrow. He does four things real quick. Threw himself on the mercy of God, asked to be cleaned by God, expressed the impact his sin had on others, and wanted God to change him from the inside out. Finally, he says, we see what earnestness that godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. He says, at every point you have uh, proved yourselves innocent in the matter. In other words, they weren't innocent. The gospel made them innocent. (laughs) So in other words, they began dealing with the false teachers. They said, y'all got to get out. They began repenting and dealing with the issues. He said, earnestness, uh, that means to commit and make things right. Indignation, uh, dealing with the offender, what fear, driven uh, to a passion for God and longing and punishment. Lastly, says, so 
although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did the wrong, nor for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order that your earnestness for us, really the gospel, might be revealed to you in the sight of God. He says, therefore, we were comforted because you gave us an opportunity, basically, to close the gap in between the thing that caused a division between us. Know what, know what, know what this beautiful about this? The beauty of being a Christian family, <laughs> and I'm done, is that we get to experience the solutions of the good Lord that he brings through Jesus. Bible says in Isaiah 53, it's just so plain. It says, he was despised and rejected by man a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and was esteemed not. Surely he bore our griefs and carried away our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him smitten of God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions and was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that, was brought, that brought our peace, and with his wounds we are healed." Therefore, Jesus experienced church hurt. He experienced church hurt. While he was about to get crucified, his boys went to sleep. While he was being carried away by godless men, his, his boy, his ace, who said he'd never yeah. cursed him. Oh, wow. yeah. Cursed him while he's dying for him. The Bible says we esteemed him smitten and stricken of God and afflicted. In other words, we don't want anything to do with you. He's experienced the greatest amount of hurt. Dying for people that rejected you while you were dying for them. Jesus experienced church abandonment. <laughs> Jesus experienced being turned on by the people that were supposed to love him. How many of you have experienced this? Guess what he said on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. The one that has the right to hold a grudge didn't hold it. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. The gospel is letting people go. Not counting their sin against them. So, my Bible teaches that he didn't let his bad experiences, dang, turn him away from the mission that the Lord had placed on him. In other words, he died for those who hung him in hurt. He suffered for those who brought him sorrow. He, bru he was bruised for those who tried to break his spirit, and he was a propitiation for those who persecuted him. Jesus' death on the cross heals all hurts, all pains, all betrayals. He is able to rebuild the most broken and fragmented of hearts. Father, I'm going to do all. I'm going to pray for your people today, Lord God, but I first want to um, communicate to those who, communicate to those who, um, 
don't know you. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ. You have some barriers to the gospel, which is the church, or barriers to the gospel, church hurt, and not realizing that Christ died for that. Christ died on the cross that nothing that hurt you will be a breach between you and God because he took on the greatest amount of hurt in human history to bring us from spiritual death to spiritual life. If you're here today and you want to put your confidence in Jesus Christ, you put your confidence in him knowing that God, he died on the cross, God put his anger on him, God the Father, put his anger on him instead of those who would put their faith in him. And if you put your faith in him, you go from spiritual death to spiritual life because he raised him from the dead. If that's you, slip your hand in the air. We'd love to talk to you about Jesus. Anyone says, yes, I want to put my confidence in Christ, in Christ and Christ alone. I want to put my faith in him. Yes, I want to put my faith in the one who heals all hurts and all pains so that I can come into a relationship with God. Amen. I want to pray for the body. If you're dealing with unresolved hurt, I want to pray for you. Come forward real quickly. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to pump and prime. If you're dealing with unresourced, transformed, come to the middle as close as you guys can. You're saying, I, I, I know that I have some stuff in my heart that has sort of I mean, God, I know God loves me. I'm a believer. But I know that I have some deep, deep church hurt issues that I, I need the Lord to deal with. I sort of ignore them, act like they aren't there. I make light of them. But I got some, I got some issues. I got some issues. I've been hurt by the church, and it's impacted my ability to maximize my walk with Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you. I see y'all coming. Thank all y'all for coming. Anybody else? Anybody else that feels deeply hurt by the church and needs the Lord to redeem? Whether you're, even if you, even if, it doesn't matter whether who's right or who's wrong. If you're hurting about it, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. It, does, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. Anyone else? Father, <clears throat> wow. Um, Church hurt is, I don't know why, God, it's just the most painful kind of hurt that you can deal with. And I guess because it's the place where we have the highest expectations. Um, we hold, I mean, even the world holds us. To, You're supposed to be a Christian, so you, it's, it's almost this... Um, <laughs> It's a high standard because of who Jesus Christ is. And God, I'm praying for these men and women who are come forward and saying, I've been deeply hurt by the church and I haven't dealt with it as fully as I should in the best ways that I could. And God, I'm praying for them that you would strengthen them, that you would help them to apply these things. First off, Lord God, by the whole idea of openness, reopen their hearts. Reopen their hearts towards the exact people that hurt them, that manipulated them, that 
threw them away, that outcast them, or that asked for money and promised things, or whatever it is, I don't know, God, but you know. And God, I pray that the body will come alongside of them. I pray that you would give them resolution. I'm praying that even on the other side, there will be a disposition of resolution. And I pray that they would confront and that there would be comprehensive repentance in the mighty name of Christ. And that there would be a comprehensive turning to you and to one another. God, do it by the might of the gospel. Do it by your supernatural power. And we're going to watch and believe that you're going to bring healing. Help them not to worry about anybody else's response, Lord. Help them to do what you've called them to do on their end. Because this word is going to hold them accountable. The word that we heard today is an accountable word. Lord, and I'm not standing up here as a guy that hasn't had to do that. I've had mediated meetings. Multiple meetings with people that I've heard or who've hurt me and tried to do all I could to be at peace with them. And God, I'm thankful that my conscience is clear. My conscience is clear. No bitterness, no anger, no resentment because of you. God, touch your people. I even pray for the people that, I'm, that haven't even still reconciled with me, that still hate me. I still pray for them. I was praying for them this morning. <laughs> Lord, help us to open our hearts just as you prayed for us in our rejection of you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen.